Crossroads. A couple announcements. Uh, don't forget this Saturday, August the 6th, I believe it is, the women's ministry has their spring fling. And please reach out to Pat Mobley, myself, or uh, Jackie Lineman, and they will give you the details. The other thing I want to remind you of is to, on August the 14th, we're having our third Friends and Family Day for this year. And the theme is school spirit and a tailgate menu as we are all getting ready for what? Football season. Uh, we will be having great food, good fellowship, bouncy houses, and a photo booth to remember the day. Dress code is casual, of course, so be sporting your school colors and your school logo. How can you help? Because it takes a team to make this work. Um, we need help with the following. We need help setting up and decorating on Saturday, August the 13th at 10. So get your car washed. And while your car is being washed, come help us get set up. Um, and then it should take us a couple hours at most to set up. Out at the welcome desk, there's two sign-up sheets. The church will be providing fried chicken. So what is a tailgate without fried chicken? And, you, and who can have it? Therefore, there's a sign-up sheet for you to select your favorite foods to go with the chicken. There are six categories you can choose from to prepare, but please prepare to share. So, that, you know, we may have visitors, which we hope we do, and also bring enough to, just like you would at any other tailgate activity, bring plenty of food. Um, and then we need volunteers. So we need help on the 14th with the, the setup, on 14th setting up the food, which is Sunday. We need help with cleanup. Kevin and Chrissy McCrory have agreed to lead the cleanup committee. And um, we'll need help with the bouncy houses, making sure nobody gets hurt. And, um, and by participating in any of these preparations, you're getting to know your church members better, your visitors better, and just be a part of it because working together, you get to know funny stories about each other and you build a relationship because that's what it's really all about is building that relationship. All right. Well, good morning again. Nick, will you come get to stand? Um, before I introduce our speaker, and I don't know how this got thrown on me, but you know how stuff goes. Um, like I said, a lot of people's missing day, and that's all right, but thank you for your worship. God was here, and he's so faithful. But as most of you know, if you've seen on Facebook, Pastor Serena had the baby. He is precious. I've not seen him yet. I'm trying to stay out of the way of the grandparents. I know my role, and let them get to him first. Um, but before uh, I start this, I want to let you know, I know you've seen some new faces up in the... Um, praise team, and I try to do this about every six months or so, but if anybody in this world, in this church, if any of you want to be a part of the praise team, listen, I ain't picky. There are no auditions. I don't beg. I just, if you just want to be a part and you want to commit, we would love to have you. I don't care if you can sing or not. If you love Jesus and you want to worship, come on up and be a part. And a few of you may know, I want to explain this, um, a few weeks ago you may have heard about a recital the singers had. Well, everyone was not invited. It was ticket only. Now, if you want to be a part of cool things like that, you can join the praise team. Okay, it was the first one we'd ever done. I just want to let you know because some people I understood got mad because they couldn't get a ticket. Well, each singer had five tickets and they got to bring whom they choose to bring. So don't be getting mad up in here at me. It was one of the singers get mad at one of them if you want to get mad at somebody. But it was fun, so if you want to be a part of stuff like that, we would love to have you, all right? So today, as you see, Pastor Josiah's not here, so, you know, he looked far and wide for something he could get to come up in here. I'm just speaking. So it's my honor to uh, introduce our speaker today, his little brother, Teddy's little brother, um, and my youngest nephew, yeah, not great nephew, my youngest nephew, and Mr. Newlywed and his beautiful wife up here, Mr. Jordan Hodge. Come on, baby, bring the word to us. Good morning, everyone. It's, it's good to be here. It's good to be back. Um, yeah, everybody welcome my wife, Kate. 
And this is also my mother and father-in-law, Miss Ann and Mr. Nick. Welcome them as well. Thank you all for coming. You know, let's just do something. Let's just kind of, you know, I get nervous every time before I preach. I teach every Sunday at a school, at a, at a church in Easley, South Carolina, but every single time I get nervous. Can we just give God a hand clap of praise? Can we just give him a, can we just give him what he's worth? Now, if everyone will do me a favor and just turn to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, that's what we're going to be in today. I've been teaching out of the book of Ephesians, and uh, I was talking to Pastor Josiah Friday because uh, I told him Uncle Jordan and Aunt Kate, Aunt Kate were, were going to come and see the new baby. He's like, you know, while you're here, just preach for me. Will, will, you, will you stand in for me? So I've been teaching out of that. So I was like, you know, I know it. Let's, let's preach. Let's go from that. It's a, it's a beautiful book. But while you're uh, turning to Ephesians chapter 2, I'll just kind of give you a rundown of the book of Ephesus and what's going down. Uh, the, the book is written uh, by Paul. As you may know, uh, he founded the church of Ephesus, and it's a Roman colony. They're very prosperous. Uh, they're a very good church as well. If you read anything out of the first chapter, you see Paul is constantly thanking God for, uh, for their faithfulness and how they have been brothers and sisters in Christ to him. And, um, but as we all know, no matter how good of a church, this is a great church, but no matter how good of a church is, there's problems and there's things that need to be uh, talked about, and there's things that are going on in the community around it, like in the book of Ephesus. Uh, they're going through um, a spiritual battle. There's a lot of witchcraft going on in this Roman colony. There's a lot of things that are coming against the word of God, that are coming against the true believers. Uh, there are, of course, we know that uh, there are Judaizers, people who are mixing the Jewish law with Jesus, and you got to do this plus Jesus for salvation. No, as we know that it is Christ alone that brings salvation but I'm going to go ahead and read um, the verses that we're going to be in. It's, it's verses 1 through uh, 12, I believe. So I'll go ahead and read. As for you, you were dead in your, in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath but because of the grace of God but because of the great grace of God and his love for us who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved and God, raised, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming of ages that he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no man can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who, by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done by the body of, by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners in the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, Lord God. I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for everything you've done for us. And like how Michelle was saying that if you didn't do anything else, God, you are still worthy to be praised. You are still worthy it's for us to sacrifice our lives to you, Lord God. God, I ask that you would just anoint this message today and anoint me, Lord God. I can make a, the most beautiful, thought-out sermon, but God, without your anointing, it is nothing, Lord God. Holy Spirit, would you just move through me today and give me the words to say, Lord God, even if it isn't anything I prepared God, have your way in this church tonight, today, Lord God, as that you would keep us safe and keep us in your presence, Lord God. Amen. In Ephesians 2, Paul is giving us a foundational scripture of salvation and what it means to the individual, to us. The purpose of this book of, uh, of Ephesians was to establish the identity of Gentile believers as part of the body of Christ. 
as, as you may know, that we're Gentiles. We were not in this promise, and we'll get to this, but we're not in this promise of, the, of, of Israel and the Jewish people. But through the blood of Christ, we are, bought, we are brought into the same family. We are in this uh, adoption through the blood of Christ. Before Paul can do, uh, can do this, he must first establish the new identity of the individual Gentile, declaring that salvation transforms the, the person and now includes him slash her in the body of Christ. Paul claims that this salvation uh, through Christ changes the total identity of the individual and now places him and her in a new relationship with God, including in the universal body of Christ. This is a complete radical change in the person's life and identity. 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. One of my favorite verses, Romans 6.4, Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in this newness of life. And I'm so thankful that this is the 100% truth that we don't have to be who we once were. And we'll get into this. And I'm just going to give you the title for today. The official title is God's Grace and Our Redemption. But I'll give you just a not official title that I've, that I've just been praying about is, is our before and after. It's what we were before God and what we are after his blood drenches us and adopts us into this family. Contrary to the progressive preaching of today, when we are saved by the grace of God, it is the turning point of our existence where we find hope and love. We are greeted with purpose by the almighty God. We are completely changed. It is not simply becoming who we have always been to become. It is not us simply evolving into God, who, uh, into to who we're supposed to be and God has planned for us, but it is the complete radical change of our entire being. And we need to quit playing around like it's something that is just something just like, oh, that person's a Christian. That's a big deal. You stamp the name of Christ on you. That is a big deal. That is what we're dealing with today. It is not simply us just becoming better people and trying to do better in life. But it is us being radically changed for the rest of our lives and spending eternity with Christ. See, my notes are out of order. I just printed these. That's awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but we'll just go ahead and start reading. I don't, I don't, I don't really need the notes really all that much. But uh, I'll go ahead and read the first uh, few verses here. And my first point for today, if you're taking notes, uh, yeah, I'm being three-point and homiletically correct today. If you have, <laughs> if you <laughs> said, we are nothing without Christ. Can you say that with me? Say, we are nothing without Christ. I'm going to go ahead and read the first few verses. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following the desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, in the first uh, part of the, the first chapter of Ephesians, uh, we see Paul speaking a lot of Christ, speaking about what, what God the Father has done through this work of salvation, what Jesus Christ, uh, God the Son, has done, and this work and what the Holy Spirit has done. God has predestined the way for us to get to, to get to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ, that is through his son, it is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we are able to be adopted into this family. It is by the blood of Christ that we are able to live with the Father forever in eternity in, in eternity in heaven. And that alone, like we just like we've been talking about, that alone is enough to give him praise even if he did nothing else for us. Even if our entire relationships fell apart, even if everything that we had planned in our life falls apart, just alone that Jesus Christ came, lived on this earth, died on the cross, rose again on the third day, and sits on the right hand of the Father, intercessing for us is enough for us to give the glory to God forever. Amen? And that's what, and that's what Paul, Paul, is, Paul is putting, uh, uh, painting a very pretty picture if you go and read uh, chapter 1 of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us and how, how God is putting him as the, gives him authority 
of life and death for eternity. He gives, he puts every, everything at, at his, is at his footstool. Everything is below him. Every government, every power, every dominion is underneath Jesus Christ. Not today, not just for today right now, but for eternity. But for eternity. But the Paul starts off with this. He says, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. See, while Jesus is perfect, is perfection, while Jesus is doing all these great things for us, he's saying, as for you, before, now this is before we accept Christ, he says, as for you, you were lost in your transgressions and you were dead in sins. And so many people say, you're like, okay, transgression is a sin, it's the same thing. No, Paul isn't trying to give you, just like, give you the same word twice. But in transgressions, in, in, in the Greek, it means that you're trespassing. It means that you're going where you're not supposed to go. See, I, I work at, I work at uh, Greenville Memorial Hospital. I work at security. And when we give you a trespass notice, that means you either get off the premises and you don't come back. And if you do come back, you get arrested. And, that, and, th- and that's how we were before Christ. We were constantly trespassing. We were constantly going where we were, su- where we were not supposed to. And we didn't even know it. We had no control to get to not do it. We had no control to say no. But we were being bent, bent to the will of the world. Because this sin that we were born in is controlling us before Christ. And for sins, in the Greek, it's sin to miss the mark. I'm sure we've heard that. Is that you're missing the mark. We miss the mark. All have fallen short, right? All have fallen short of the glory of God. But yet Jesus never looks at us any differently. So when we miss the mark, that, that, that is implying that someone is constantly working to do the right thing, right? Think about this. Think of a student. High school, college, whatever, whatever grade. They study for every test. They write every essay as good as possible. They complete every homework assignment. But at the end, they still fail. See, in their case, even if, you know, if they tried or they didn't try, just, and they tried as hard as they could, they ended up failing just like if someone never even tried. And that is everyone, every unbeliever in this world. Every unbeliever tries their hardest to be a good person. They give to charity. They do. They, they raise money for fundraisers. They work for nonprofits. But without Christ, we always miss the mark. And I need us to understand that today is that Christ is everything. Jesus Christ is everything. Somebody told me, say, all you do is preach about Jesus. What, is there, what else is there to preach about? What else is there to preach about other than the blood of Christ who, who cleanses us and purifies us and takes us from this point? He is our everything. Without Jesus, you could be the best person in the world. Without Jesus, you could, uh, you, could, you could have all the money in the world like Elon Musk and cure world hunger and do all this stuff like that. But without Jesus, you're still going to miss the mark. He is everything. Paul goes on to say, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the spirit of the air. This is talking about Satan. So it's the spirit of the air. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were all by nature deserving of wrath. And like I said before, we had no choice. This would think, of, think about how you were before, before Jesus. Think about it. You did anything you wanted to do. And you didn't feel bad about it. You could go out. You could get drunk. You could, you could use drugs. You could do anything you wanted to. And you're like, this is my life. I'm doing what I want. You, could, you, you, you might have been the best person before you even got saved. You might have done all the right things. But yet still, you had no way to say no to your cravings of flesh. That's just what we did. That's just how we are by default. We are born into sin. We are totally depraved. People are against that. But no, there's, there's, good, there's goodness and peace in people. The only goodness I'm thinking about, the only goodness I care about is the goodness of God. Is the goodness of Jesus Christ that cleanses us. But that's all we, that's who we were. We were by nature deserving of wrath. We were by nature just simply coasting, coasting into whatever we wanted to do, coasting the thin air, doing whatever we wanted. But yet God, but by the graciousness of God and the goodness of God, let's think about that. By the goodness of God, I'm going to read these next couple verses. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace 
we have been saved. It is by grace we have been saved. We don't deserve this. We don't deserve, I know I don't deserve this life. I don't deserve to be married to the love of my life. I don't deserve to be able to go to Holmes Bible College. I don't deserve to be able to stand here and deliver to you the, the most precious book that we have in this world. I don't deserve any of this, but it is by the grace of God. It is by the grace of God that we have this. It is by the grace of God that we're able to come here today. Even if someone in here today is not serving the Lord, Jesus is still extending his arms of grace to you. He is still extending his arms of mercy to you by allowing you to come in here and hear the word of God. And that brings me to my second point, is that grace is a gift. I'll go ahead and read those verses. I already read uh, through, through five. I'll go ahead and start off in six. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming of ages he might show uh, the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The fact that Jesus extended his arms of grace to us and, and he continues to do that when we don't deserve it, that's the most amazing gift right there. And it's grace. I think of John three sixteen, who people quote 24 7 right said for God so loved the world that he gave his only son but think about that he that he that he, he so loved the world while it was still the world he loves you while you're still in your sin he loves you so much that he's giving you a way to get out of your sin he's loving you so much that he's sending his son say this is the only way you can't do it you can't live according to my law you can't do it you can't do it by yourself but I'll send a helper and that is the Lord Jesus Christ who died for our sins, for our sins, giving us a way out of this of this world that we're living in. In verse two, Paul describes us as people of the world and followers of Satan. But now, in verse six, God is taking us from people of the world, and He raises us up to the, to be seated in heavenly realms through Jesus Christ. How amazing is that transformation? Right? That's what Paul, Paul's describing us as people who are just followers of the world and people who don't deserve anything. But yet, he's telling us in, in a few verses later that he's like, even though we're like that, Jesus, Jesus Christ came so that we could be seated in heavenly realms with him. No matter how bad you think you are, God is looking at you with, with eyes of love. And I know, I, and I know this from personal experience, when you, when you get saved and you're doing your best and you, and you end up falling short a little bit, you're like, man, I'm the most disgusting human being ever. But let me tell you that Jesus Christ looks at you with love. And he looks at you and says, I would die for you a million more times if I had to. But that's the love of Jesus Christ. And he does it. He's so powerful. We, we underestimate the power of God that, that even though Jesus would die for us a million more times because that's how much he loves us, he doesn't have to because he's so powerful here and he took care of it all. He paid the price for us. He paved the way for us. We just have to follow. We just have to continue to, to dig deep and follow Jesus Christ. When we were once hopeless and destined for hell, God turns, us, God turns it all around and sets us in heavenly realms. Where we were once children of wrath, we are now children of God. God will continue to show the exceedingly riches of his grace to us. God will never stop dealing with us on the basis of grace, and we will forever continue to unfold its riches for, for, uh, through eternity. It's hard for us to understand a lot of things about God, and, and one of the things really is God's grace. The idea of grace itself isn't that hard to understand, but it's the incomparable, incomparable riches of his grace that is hard to understand. It's hard for us to get behind, especially as humans, we are not forgiving people. Some of us are, but most of us are not. It is hard for us to let things go. It is hard for us to forgive and forget like we should. That's why it's so hard for us to understand this grace that Jesus Christ, he, he, throws, he throws all of our sins to the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't remember it. He invites us in. He invites us closer. Think about that. Is that think about your best friend, your, 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 your spouse, anybody who you're super close with, and you've done them dirty constantly. You've sinned against them constantly. You've hurt their feelings. You've, uh, you've committed adultery. 
You've done everything that the good book, the good book tells you not to do, right? Everything you go against all the laws of God, but yet they still say, I forgive you and I love you. Let's work this out. That means so much to us. But yet when we think about it, God is like, oh, I mean, I guess it's okay. That's a big deal. And that's what we need to hold close to. C.H. Spurgeon uh, commented on this, on grace. He says, he has much grace as you, as you want. And he has a great deal more than that. The Lord has so much grace as a, as a whole universe will require, will require, but he has vastly more. He overflows all the demands that can, that, can, uh, that can ever be made on the grace of God will never impoverish him or even diminish his store of mercy. They will remain in an in, in, uh, incalculable, precious mind of mercy as full as when he first began to bless the sons of men, end quote. I love that. Love that. Sage Spurgeon, as, you, as some of you may or may not, he, 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 was, a, uh, he was a preacher, very famous preacher. He's a very man, great man of God. But he's saying that we could never, ever, ever even understand how vast God's love is for us and how great his mercy and grace is for us that we could ask for forgiveness a billion times each in this world from the start of humanity to the end of humanity and we wouldn't even scratch the surface of what God's got for us. And you should, you should be pretty happy about that. I know I am that we can continue to ask for forgiveness because we're not perfect, right? Even, even, even though Christ helps us and he is constantly with us, we still fall short. I was talking to somebody at work and they were like, well, do, well don't you still sin? Well, well, yeah, I'm a human. I fall short. I fall short a whole lot more than I, than I wish I wouldn't. But it's by the grace of God that we can rely, we can, we can lean our head on his shoulder and say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Help me do better. And he always says, yes. He never turns you away. Christ has shown his grace to all, to all by just coming to earth, by a sacrifice of leaving heaven to dwell on this earth. He has given everyone a chance to salvation. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that in this we can find grace. We've all, we've all, I mean, we've all fallen short. We're all humans. There's no, there's no getting, there's no getting by, by that, right? I mean, there's just, if you try to act like you never sinned, I mean, shut up. That's how I feel. <laughs> you have, stop acting perfect. Um, that's just, that's just kind of how I feel about that. But we've all been there. And let me tell you something. Let's get, let's get real for a second. If you judge yourself constantly of the past, you need to stop letting Satan have his way in your mind. You need to give it to God. Because when you answer the call of Christ, he, get, he, he equips you for a calling that is greater than you could ever imagine. You need to quit thinking that just because you messed up before Jesus and that you messed up when you have Jesus, that you're disqualified. But that's not, how, that's not how it works. Let me tell you that Jesus, like I said before, Jesus will continue to forgive you. But you got to keep on trying. You got to keep on keeping on, right? You got to keep on pushing after what God has for your life. Like I said, you need to quit letting Satan have his way in your mind. We were all deserving of wrath as we read, but praise God for his loving mercy and unconditional love, right? He left his riches of heaven so that we may enter it. But by doing this, he shows his riches and mercy for us. He showed us grace when we didn't deserve it. And there's nothing we could ever do to earn this incomparable grace. Grace is through faith alone. Can we all agree to that? Can we all agree that grace is not is through faith alone? We can't earn it. And if you, and if you think that, because trust me, we all, we all kind of grow up. Like, we can do something. We can go to church enough to, to, to get saved, 
right? I remember my, I would take a nap and my parents would go to the grocery store. I'd be the only one home and I'd be like, oh my God, the rapture happened. What, <laughs> what did I do? You know, my war, what did I did not do? You know, it's like, I was always so scared that that day would come and I'm like, I didn't do enough. But let me tell you that you can never do enough for the grace of God to, to earn that. It is by the grace of God that we have been saved. It is a gift. Jesus has paid the, has paid the price. He did the dirty work. He is simply asking us to receive this gift of grace. And how we receive this gift is through our faith in his sacrifice. Galatians 2.20, one of my favorite verses says, Yet we know that a person is not, that's not sorry, it's not Galatians 2.20, my apologies, typo. But it says, Yet we know uh, that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have believed in Christ Jesus in order that to be justified by faith in Christ. And not by works of his love, uh, by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. There's nothing we can do to earn this, and that we should, and there's nothing we could do to receive it. This is the greatest gift we could ever imagine, the gift no one of us deserves, but a gift that God calls us worthy to receive. It's, I mean, it's simply put there, so many, I mean, people have this simple, people argue about this simple thing, about like, what do we do? How do you get to heaven? It's simply put there, all over the Bible, it's simply put there that we need to simply believe in Jesus Christ to have faith in what he's done for us. And we need to stand firm that this is the only way to heaven. There's two, there's, there's you know, universalism's big right now. Let me tell you something, it's been around forever, right? It's nothing new. But there's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. That is through his, uh, that is through his sacrifice. Someone asked me one time, like, well, don't you think that, you know, we're kind of, you know, there's somebody in India is worshiping their God, America's worshiping their God, you know, whatever, Norse mythology, this, this, and that, you know, Hinduism, all these things. Don't you think we're all, you know, we're all worshiping the same God, right? Like, like, no, we're not. There's only one God, and that's Jesus Christ. And we need to stand firm in that, especially today. Uh, Today is so twisted and bent. This entire, every t- you turn on the news, it's twisted, it's bent. You turn on a TV show, it's twisted, it's bent. You watch a movie, it's twisted. Everything. People are constantly trashing Christianity. People are constantly saying, oh, this is the way. Oh, do whatever you feel. Well, do whatever you think is right. Do whatever, you know, do your truth. What's your truth? What's that? Well, there's only one truth, and that's Jesus Christ, is that he is the son of God, and he came and died on the cross for our sins. He, he uh, lived 33 pure and perfect years. He he raised from the dead on the third day, and yet now he's seated on the right hand of the Father. We need to hold, hold uh, close to that. He not only spared us from the wrath uh, we rightfully deserved, but he continuously works in us through the Holy Spirit to make something beautiful out of us. And, uh, and Paul says that we're, we're God's handiwork. Workmanship in the Greek is poema, which translates to masterpiece of art or God's passionate poem he sees us as unmolded pieces of clay and he's the master potter and now let's 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 look back in the beginning of chapter two like we read that we were all deserving of his wrath now god is calling us his beautiful poem he, this we, we are now destined to do good works for jesus christ because of the grace of god we don't do good works to get grace, but when grace gets a hold of us, there's nothing we can do but good works. It constantly pushes us to want to do good things, and that's why we do what we do, right? Grace isn't captured by good works, but good works happen when grace captures us. Through the grace of God, we are made whole, and we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and that's our whole life. You know, the people are like, well, what do you want to do after school? I'm like, I don't, I know, but I don't know, you know? I just know that I want to serve God. And that should be all of our missions today. We should be like, I don't know what the future holds for us. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if, my, if I'm going to have the same job. I don't know if something's going to happen with the job. I don't know. I don't know anything. But what I do know is that I want to serve God. And that should be our mission as individuals. That should be our missions as a family. That should be our mission as the body of Christ. That no matter what happens... What we strive to do is to do good works for Christ, is to serve God, is to be a servant first and foremost. 
And this brings me to my third and final point is we gain unity in our redemption. I'll go ahead and read that's verses 11 through uh, 13. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body of, by human hands. Remember that at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in, in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Man, these notes are killing me. I'll say, well, these things are everywhere. <laughs> Sorry, I found my spot again. <laughs> God's work of reconciliation is not only between God and the individual, though that's where it must begin. It is also between groups of people that are, that are at odds with each other. Just as Jews and Gentiles were in the days of Paul, Gentiles were in a desperate place, being aliens, strangers, having no hope, and being without God. This shows that they were not only spiritually dead, but they also did not have the access to God that the Jews enjoyed. And without Christ, there is no hope. But when Christ came, he said this, and then this goes on, if you continue to read, which I, which I ask you all to do, go to continue to read in Ephesians. And in Ephesians 3, it's, Ephesians is just a beautiful book to begin with. But, but Paul's saying that, well, that, was, that was the secret, that was the mystery, and that's what the mystery Christ is, making, is, made, is being made known, is that for the longest time, it was just, this was the, Gentile, this was the Jewish God, this was the, the God of the Israel. That's what people acknowledge God as, people who were not uh, from Israel. But God is saying that, I'm the God of everybody. I created everyone. I didn't just create the Jews. I didn't just create Israel, but I created the entire world. I created the entire universe. And now through Jesus Christ, we are able to be adopted into this family. Listen, I grew up with, I grew up with a pretty tight family. Not the biggest family, but a pretty tight family. And I can guarantee you that uh, this family that we are now adopted in through the blood of Christ is the biggest family that you could ever imagine. So many of us go without family. Right? We have friends that are like family, but we don't necessarily have family. But I can tell you this, that you can, be, you can be rest assured that when you're adopted to the family of Christ, you are adopted to the biggest family that you could ever know, the most loving family with the most loving father being God. And that makes me excited. Because sometimes you just, you're away from family, right? There's sometimes where family can't reach you. But when you can see another believer, someone who is connected to you through Jesus Christ, connected through the blood of Christ, that's, it's good enough. It's family. And, and that's, that's, Kate and I have, I mean, we're, we're moved away from, we're, we're not too far from family, but oftentimes it's just me and her. And that's how it's been ever since we met at school. But it's like we have friends and family through the body of Christ. We have family that are there for us, that are constantly pray for us and who are there for us and love us. And that's and that's 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 so assuring. That is so that's so amazing. But we gain this this unity through the blood of Christ. Without Jesus, we're all separated. See, man puts up barriers, but Jesus Christ tears them down. Where we where, where we tear down bridges and we burn bridges from people, Jesus lays them back down, and He gives us a way through the blood of Christ. And I encourage you to to reach out to more Christians, right? Like, so often we're like, oh, I got my family. You know, someone's like, I said, I have a tight family. It's, it's easy to kind of recluse into that. Like, well, I got my family. I got mine. But I encourage all of you today to reach out, to reach out to other Christians and to, and to, and to be there for them. Because, I mean, we're not, we're not meant to do this life alone. This life's way too hard. This life brings punches to the gut that you could never imagine. It brings, it brings hurt. There, there was there was a death in, in the church at uh, at my parents' church, and really it was it was very sad. But the way I saw people gather around each other, and the way I saw them be there for each other, and you couldn't tell who was family and who wasn't, and that's the most beautiful thing. That brought me a lot of joy and a lot of strength and a lot of uh, it, it, it encouraged me. Because so, so many times we're alone, and I'm an intro, I really am an introverted person. Uh, it's, a lot of you may know, remember when, I, when my family first moved here and I was so young, 
I, I didn't say anything. And I talk a lot. I do. I talk a lot. <laughs> but but I, I really am introverted at heart. And sometimes it's hard for me to reach out to people. It's hard for me to tell my family, like, hey, I need help. I need help with something. But it is that family that we now have in Christ that we can reach out to. We have that, we have that unity and the redemption that Christ brings to us. And those Gentiles who uh, are now in Christ Jesus, being us, are no longer far off. They are, mar- they are made near to the things of God, and the blood of Christ accomplishes this. By his sacrifice, by sacrificial death, this is coming near, happens only by the blood of Christ. Gentiles who are, are not in uh, Christ Jesus are just as far off as they have ever been. This reconciliation only happens through Jesus we are those Gentiles that were near, made near by God. There's unity in God, and there should be loving unity in the body of Christ. To have a relationship with somebody shouldn't be on the basis of skin color or where they're from. It should be on the, on the, based on the fact that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. I love, I love that, that in part that I read that the ones who were far off were made near by God because we were all once far off. I just read that in the beginning of, of chapter two. We were all far off. We were all doing our own thing, trespassing against God, sinning against God, dead in our sin, constantly missing the mark. But through Jesus Christ, we're, we're, made, we're made close. We're made near. He brings us near into his love. That's, and I always say that's the biggest difference between Christianity and everything else. Every other God in this world continues to beckon you come here like you got to come this way you got you got to do this you got to jump through this hoop but let me tell you something about Jesus Christ that he comes down to us he came to he came to us he meets us halfway he's always there begging us calling us saying open the door accept me accept me accept me in and he's calling each and every one of us to accept his love and and I was like ask people like well why not you know why not? Well, there's, there's so many benefits of Christ. He constantly just asks us to love him back. And that's the main difference between every other religion. That's why everything else is fake and this is true. And this is why everybody attacks Christianity because it's the one true religion. It's the one true God. And in conclusion, we need to humble ourselves and remind ourselves daily that we are nothing without Christ. Our salvation only comes through Jesus and his grace. And through redemption, we gain unity in Christ. We can't do this life on our own, and we can't do ministry without the grace of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for constantly being there for us. Lord, we never deserve it, but yet you still give it, Lord God. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. God, I ask that you would just be with us for the rest of the day, Lord God, and, and strengthen us and give us hope, God, and the ones who are down, Lord, that you would just, that you would give them a pat on the back and give them the strength to keep going, Lord God. God, I ask that you would, just, you would give us traveling mercies today, Lord God. God, I ask that you would touch Pastor Josiah and Pastor Serena and, uh, and, and little Emmett today, Lord God. I ask that you would just touch them and strengthen them and uh, and and really just, just watch after them, Lord God, and watch after Serena and make sure that she heals the right way and, and, and heals fast, Lord God, and that you would just put your hedge of protection with them and that you would bless them, Lord God. God, so you would do that with each and every one of us here today, Lord God, that you would just continue to have that hand wrapped around us, that you would continue to watch after us, Lord God. We know you will because you are a faithful God. God, I ask that you would make us more like your son and that we would be more faithful to you and that we would work harder in your ministry and then you would give us the strength and the the capability to do that lord god said you would just equip us today and god said you would just that you would just empower us your holy spirit that you would dwell in us today lord god that you would point us to the right way that you would give us this discernment that we need to to navigate this crazy world that we live in lord god i said you would just empower each and every one of us today god and that for the ones who are strong in you, that you would make them even stronger. The ones who are lacking behind, that you would make that you would strengthen them and bring them up to speed, Lord God. We love you today. Amen. Amen. Did you enjoy this word this morning? Thank God there's hope in Jesus. Amen. It's a little earlier than normal, but guess what? There's nowhere in the Bible that says you can.
got to stay for five hours, don't we? Amen. We got encouraged. We love Jesus. I encourage you to stay around a little bit. Love on one another. Talk to each other. Pastor Betty, I'm assuming there's food, free food over in the activity center. Go over there and get you some bags full of food to take home and enjoy. All minds and hearts clear. Thank y'all. Y'all have a great week. Love you.